We've slipped just five minutes at this stage of the day, so I'm going to try and uh, avoid slipping any further than that. Um, as I mentioned before the break, we're coming back to uh, focus on some of the, these ideas now in the context of SMEs. Um, and we're going to hear from uh, Sue Peters, Sarah Robinson, and Leslie Swin. Uh, Sue is from the University of Lancaster. Sarah Robinson used to be there, but is now with us at the Open University. Um, Leslie Swin is one of the managers um, of an SME who's been involved with them uh, in this project. Um, and without any further ado, I'm going to hand over to Sarah to kick off. So there's a nice kind of link there uh, that's developed over the last few years. Um, and I have forgotten, sorry, I will be telling the story um, from the perspective of a person who was brought in uh, with an interest in learning um, to evaluate the programme and to research um, the programme as it went uh, as, it, as it unfolded. So I followed the participants around for, for two years, and I'll talk a little bit about that later. Okay. So we've done that. Um, basically, we've done that already. So I'm going to ask uh, Sue now to, to come over and talk a little bit about the background um, and the design of the Hi, as Sarah said, I'm Sue Peters. I'm the director of the LEAD program based up at Lancaster University Management School. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the history of LEAD and what it actually entails. And then I'll hand over to Leslie to hear her um, real-life story. Um, a lot of what I'm going to talk about is... Um, really resonates with what Etienne and uh, Nigel have said this morning, so I'm quite pleased that this fits in quite so seamlessly. So just to give you a little bit of background about LEAD, um, it was a research and development programme originally funded by the Northwest Development Agency, and we had a huge amount of funding. It was a million pounds funding to work with only 67 um, companies. The reason we um, worked on a, a, on a 
honour programme to develop for SMEs was that in the North West there was very little leadership um, and management provision for particularly micro SMEs. Uh, and yet in the government um, reports and documents there's a lot of talk around leadership and the need for leadership and the need for innovation. Yet there was very little support for SMEs to nurture and foster and develop their own leadership um, capacities. So LEAD was set up um, as a research and development programme to really see what happened when you worked with the owner-manager, so the person at the top of the SME, on uh, developing their leadership capacity and capabilities. So four years ago, uh, we uh, created a team, uh, Sarah, as you said, ran the the research and uh, evaluation around that, to work very much in dialogue with the SMEs on developing a program that would work um, in in tune with their learning and and them as learners as SME owner-managers. We've actually continued lead beyond its original funding. When the funding finished, it was such a great project that it had such um, an immense amount of impact on the companies themselves that we as the university decided to keep the the program going. And it's now um, sustainable through um, various forms of of still a little bit of public funding and the SMEs paying for the program itself. So we've um, achieved an element of of sustainability beyond the original um, funding which we're very pleased of. And this cohort starts on Friday. So when I get back up to Lancaster, I'll be running a whole new cohort. So to date, um, we've had 140 SMEs over seven cohorts of of LEAD, which I'll now uh, talk to you about. The um, actual uh, research uh, around leadership and SME owner-managers um, really shows that, that owner-managers feel very isolated and very alone and have no one necessarily to take their issues to talk to uh, about, particularly micro-SMEs when a lot of their um, employees might be friends as well. They might not be able to talk to people about any issues they, they, they may have. And a lot of our research also backed this up along with the academic research of how owner-managers learn and, and what they need um, from, from learning. So we developed uh, a model of of, of learning, which I'll go through uh, in a a minute. But really, the program was designed um, very explicitly to build a community of practice of SME owner-managers. So it was designed to provide a space where companies could come together and share experience. It was very much based on their practice, so practice-based learning. very much it was designed in dialogue with them to see what was working well and what wasn't. So we had a very good opportunity in the first few cohorts to tweak things, try things out, experiment, and Leslie's along that, you know, very first cohort of seeing what worked and and what didn't work so well. But really the um, fundamental philosophy behind this was to nurture the peer-to-peer learning. So we very much believed that the learning could happen with the, with the companies and that they held the key to learning, which really resonates with what uh, Etienne and, and Nigel have said this morning. And we wanted to meet their needs as learners. So we developed a programme, which I'll talk through the different elements, that wasn't just about coming to a university and sitting and, and, and being talked at. It was throwing, throwing um, lots of different ideas and, and learning interventions into the pot and seeing what happened uh, with that. And uh, as, you'll, as you'll see, it was very successful. I'm just going to go through the different um, elements and then show you some pictures of the different uh, types of learning that we engaged with. But basically, um, drawing on something Etienne said earlier, that it was uh, ultimately to get them to recognise practitioners in each other. I really liked that phrase. And I think that's what we were trying to do, get them to recognise practitioners in each other and develop learning partners with one another. 
Um, and the, the lead uh, or the pedagogy was really based on these four boxes around the corner. So it was based on um, elements of taught learning, elements of observed learning, elements of situated learning, and elements of enacted learning. And that's the pedagogy that underpins this, this lead model. And I'm going to go through the different um, elements of, of lead and show you how, how we actually did that. But really, all of this was brought together to nurture um, a self-sustained, practice-based learning community. So it's very much um, explicitly about a learning community. Mm. Yes, 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 good question. I expect everybody heard it, didn't they? I just wanted a definition of the micro SME. Yes, we use a definition um, of under 20 employees. So um, there's obviously some definitions that's under 10 or under 50, but we use the definition of under 20. Although as subsequent cohorts, we have let other larger companies on, and it's been quite interesting to see the dynamics and needs of a larger SME as opposed to a micro SME owner-manager. So it was all people with um, – they, they had to have a minimum of four employees because it was a leadership program, and they had to lead <laughs> someone. Um, and uh, at that time, a maximum of around 20 employees. So um, to start the program off, we uh, and to start this kind of uh, bonding or, or sort of developing the trust element of, of the community of practice, we took all the companies um, up to the Lake District for a two-day overnight experiential event. And that's been a really successful part of the program. And it's quite hard for SMEs to come away from their business for two whole days. And it's, you know, they find that quite painful. But it's a very important element of the program where we engage in some management-based training exercises, which I think perhaps in the corporate world might be a bit tired, but not in the SME context. A lot have never done things like this, standing on chessboards in the pouring rain. <laughs> um, but a lot of it was about get, just getting them to know each other and letting some of the barriers down and showing that, this learning, it's a 10-month program, is going to happen if you share with one another and you share your problems and your issues and you ask for help. It's not a networking event where you're having to sell to each other. So the um, experientials followed on, through, or the rest of these elements go on throughout the, the whole of the program. And this is the taught element of the program. There are masterclasses. There are two themes, one on leadership, one on business growth. And we tend to bring, tap into the knowledge that sits in the walls of the management school at Lancaster University and provide, its, although it's a taught session, we don't tell SMEs that the ten top things of how to run your company. It's, they're designed to provoke thought and stimulation and designed very much to just provide a context in which the um, SME owner-manager can go away and talk about it with their peers and find out what's best um, for, for them. And I think Leslie will talk about that. Each SME um, delegate also receives their own business coach, and this is part of the sort of private space where the SME owner-manager can take very confidential issues and work through it with a coach um, who's trained in, um, we use a solutions-focused approach, so it's very much looking at issues and working towards finding solutions for um, the SME. And that could, that could happen face-to-face, -face or telephone coaching has become very popular for the SMEs, and they could use that as and when they wanted across the programme. We also engaged in a whole series of action learning sets whereby the larger cohort of about 20 to 25 SMEs would be split down into smaller action learning sets of about six um, or seven. 
And these would meet uh, regularly, perhaps once every four to six weeks, really to work on um, issues within their company. So it wasn't necessarily project-based action learning, but it was more uh, providing, again, a confidential and private space for them to work through an issue or a proposition to to the group of of trusted peers. And again, I think Leslie might bring that to life a bit more than, than I'll explain We've also engaged in a whole series of mentoring. This is something we're still trialling with. Um, Originally, we had mentors from outside in the region, um, sort of uh, companies who had grown and the CEO might be, you know, stepping back and looking to maybe mentor new organisations. And that was quite interesting when we first tried that because it didn't seem to necessarily gel with what we were trying to teach this community of practice, really to, to engage in lifelong critical reflective learning And it didn't really, it seemed to jar with a mentor coming in to tell them how to run a business. So we we tweaked the mentoring, and for the next couple of cohorts, we invited previous delegates from who'd been through LEAD to act as mentors for the current delegates, so more like a buddy scheme or or a mentor for the programme rather than a mentor telling them how to run their companies. Another element of LEAD, uh, perhaps one of the most scary elements, is one of the biz- uh, called business shadowing and exchanges. And the idea there is really to show, um, almost put a, a mirror up to the SME owner-manager. And the, the idea is that the, the companies would pair, or the delegates would pair up with one another, through support, actually engage in a whole series of shadowing one another, and then actually doing a complete exchange into each other's companies. Um, when we initially... Uh, ran this. We called it a job swap or a boss swap, which was just perhaps the worst thing we could have ever called it <laughs> because it was, not, it was ultimately not about going into each other's companies and running each other's companies. It was about going in with a fresh pair of eyes, perhaps um, giving advice and feedback to the owner-manager on their leadership or, or, or what they saw in the company and also getting some very valuable feedback on um, the runnings of your own company. So it's a very powerful element that still continues long past... Um, delegates who have been on lead and then the whole of lead when they're not at the university or they're not in each other's companies um, is supported by an online forum and it, the online forum has grown in success from the early cohorts through to how we run it now and I think we've as um, practitioners we've also got used to knowing how this is best used for owner managers as they learn and it's one of my personal research interests is how online learning can access and help a group of busy, very busy owner-managers. And I think this quote in one of the uh, pieces of research really uh, brings or heightens this, is that the forum there is described as a glue. It keeps everyone together. You meet up with the masterclasses. People are craving for one another to get together, sometimes to share, sometimes to consolidate. And I think that's not just about the forum, but I think that quote really it sums up lead. It's, it's that need for people to come together and this craving for SME owner-managers to share their practice and share their learning with, with one another in a trusted uh, and confidential environment. But I think lead, you know, obviously we're a university, is underpinned by um, theoretical framework. And that theoretical framework here for us is situated learning. And it is learning practice-based learning, and really you talked about how new knowledge comes into the group. I'd very much argue that our group, the 25 who will start on Friday, have that knowledge in in that group, and they know ways of finding and leveraging that knowledge with um, one another. And I think the most powerful thing we can do um, as a university or as as facilitators in that is really to nurture that community and nurture that peer-to-peer learning. 
And I think finally, just, just to end before I hand over to Leslie, is that we've really seen some very real results with LEED. It's been running for four years now. Um, beyond its uh, original funding. We've had independent qualitative and quantitative evaluation, and we have seen a real increase in turnover and profitability of, of the company. So it is definitely having an impact on the lives of, of these SME owner managers. We've seen a huge increase in confidence and much less feeling of isolation from the, the owner managers, which has resulted in a lot more entrepreneurial activity, lots of people setting up new businesses, different businesses to the one they, they came on lead with, um, diversifying their own businesses and spotting new um, opportunities as, as they would do as entrepreneurs. Um, and I think the most important thing for me is, is seeing that they've got the skills for lifelong learning and a lot of them continue their learning with their peers. They might be running their own action learning sets unfacilitated or as Sarah alluded to, we have an alumni after lead and joining in a community and staying together in some way, um, shape or, or form. And I think that really leads me nicely on to, to hear from Leslie and, and, and hear her story um, about your experience of, of LEED. And then perhaps we could answer some questions at the, the very end. Thank you. Hi. It's a bit strange for me being here today, knowing that I'm the only live example. Uh, Sue said I might get prodded and poked, and I just ask, you know, I am an estate agent. Times are tough at the moment. Please be kind to me. Um, yes, I am the, the proud owner of Buy the House Estate Agents. I run that business with my husband, Jonathan. And we've established two other brands since, Rent the House and Buy the Villa. And would you believe at the moment I'm selling more houses abroad than I am in my hometown of Accrington. Okay. So it's very interesting times. Um, I first got introduced to the LEAD program by my BusinessLink advisor. I was um, operating with the Investors in People scheme, and it was at a time where we'd made the bold decision to expand our business. We'd run a nice, cosy corner shop, initially with just my husband and myself, then employing two more people, and we decided that it was time to go out there big. And um, we bought a building in Accrington that was an old department store. So it had four floors and is three shops wide. And that's the main building that we're still in at the moment. And um, little did I know what that would actually really involve. Both my husband and I are quite creative and entrepreneurial, but we don't necessarily think about the actual nuts and bolts of everything. So we do sort of react a little bit off the cuff. So when we did expand, it meant I had to employ 11 new people we established the two new brands, as well as maintaining our market share within the, in, within the area. So I was particularly stressed. I can say I was talking in a very high-pitched voice to everybody because I just felt that if I stopped and calmed down, that I would collapse. And I really was at the point where I, I thought I was going to have a nervous breakdown. Nobody else was aware of that. Well, also I didn't think. Um, but I was just merrily sort of going along and keeping things together. So when I was told about the LEAD program, initially I was exceptionally relieved that there was something out there that could possibly help me take this monster of a business forward. Um, but I had some real concerns. I was at the time working seven days a week. I was a mum, so it's very difficult combining that with family life. Um, and we had absolutely no money. When we'd opened the shop, we'd, of course, set our budget below par, and we spent £50,000 more than we'd anticipated. So we were financially strapped as well. So um, when the advisor said to me, it's okay, Leslie, it's free, 
you can imagine the sense of relief when I said, yes, I have got to do this. I have really got to do this. But it wasn't just about me. It was about what a difference it could make to my husband, to my family, and to my employees, as well as my customers. So I had to think quite carefully about what benefit it would be. I remember going for the interview, and I was so desperate to get on the scheme um, I actually came out with two phrases. The first one was, I want to make a difference, and selling houses isn't it for me. And the second one, which has come a bit of a joke, really, with everybody, I'm an SME in Accrington, get me out of here. And I wasn't quite sure what I actually meant from that, but it did become clearer, and I'll explain that in a moment. When I attended the first event, I was obviously very nervous, I'd been quite isolated in my business, just running it with my husband as a leader. And um, I was going to meet other business owners. Oh, my goodness, would I, would I really measure up to how they're performing and to what type of people they are? And again, once I got through the door, I realized that there was instantly people there that I would have a connection with that were very like-minded. Um, the town of Accrington, it, you know, it's a great place to be, fantastic people, and that's where I run my, you know, my, my great business. But it does have a pound shop mentality, and they operate with a half-empty culture. So you tend to be thriving on trying to increase people's positivity all the time. And that can be quite draining. Um, and especially when you're trying to run a business and, and you want to become sort of, you know, leaders of the area. So for me to suddenly walk into a room full of people that thought and spoke the same way as I did, it was, it was amazing and it was quite... I had this sense of relief. It empowered me to sort of have real belief in my business. And on the way home, I had some real light bulb moments in terms of what impact this was going to have. And um, I had made the ultimate promise to my husband that if he released me for one day every now and then, that I would actually make a difference. And I'll, I'll go through how I did that. But on this journey on the way home, it was, for me, the, the greatest light bulb moment was when I realized how lonely I was. Running your business with your husband is exceptionally difficult, and I'm sure he would say the same, running a business with your wife. You've got that ultimate trust there. You can read each other's minds. You can work very much in partnership. But we never, ever had business meetings. We never, never sat down and fully discussed the strategy. My husband would generate the business ideas, and I always made sure the people and the customers were happy. And that worked very well in partnership. But for me, as a business leader, there was a lot missing. And I had to think carefully about how I handled the situation, because what I didn't want to do was end up with no husband and no divorce. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was, it, it was very, very difficult. So... What I also realized on the way home was I wasn't only lonely from the fact that I wasn't having business meetings and sharing strategy, but because we'd become more successful, I'd lost a lot of friends along the way as well. A lot of jealousies tend to kick in. People don't understand why you become so driven. And friends and family became disinterested. I also um, had to give up some elements of community life. I was very active uh, within the church, but because we had to open Sundays, because that's what the customers expected, then I couldn't then go to church and be involved in a lot of the other roles that I had there. So for me, I'd had to give up an awful lot for this business. So what did I actually take out of the LEAD program to help turn this all around? 
One of the first masterclasses that I attended was with a guy called Chris Moon, and the guy had sadly lost an arm and a leg uh, whilst clearing mines when he worked in the army. And he gave me a very strong message. Whatever happens to you, do not be the victim. And again, on the way home from that masterclass, I suddenly decided I had to drop my high-pitched voice and start accepting responsibility for what I'd done. And that instantly changed my approach with my people, my view on the business, my relationship with my husband. Just that simple phrase, don't be a victim. Whatever happens, don't be a victim. In terms of the action learning sets, this was very powerful where a group of six of us would meet on a regular basis and we'd take issues along that perhaps we couldn't discuss with anybody else and it provided a very safe environment. And I took lots of different issues and it helped me with lots of different things but the one key one was I said to somebody, I really want to raise the profile of my business. Now I'm growing in confidence. We've got some very strong brands. I want people out there to know how good we really are. And he told me to enter awards. Never imagined for one minute that we'd win any. And um, I'm pleased to say for the last four years we've been nominated, well, we've been awarded with the best estate agent in Lancashire by the Daily Mail. I've got through to the regional finals for the National Business Awards. I've been presented awards for training and development with North Lancs Training Group, and the list goes on. And um, I'm really quite proud of those achievements, and for me it helps layer on to the staff, you know, as to what we have achieved as a team and what difference we've made. When it came to the coaching, um, the solutions-focused coaching helped me turn around this half-empty culture and it ensured that my employees, rather than start worrying about the problems, started to then think about the solutions. And again, it really shifted my culture, and we introduced a new weekly training program, which still runs today. Um, so that has really worked. But the, one of the ultimate um, changes that I made to how I operate was when we did the, the boss swap, as it was known for my cohort. And um, I went into the business of, of somebody I'd become quite close with on the program, and he ran um, an internet business that sold fish oils. Okay, so what does a state agency have to do with fish oils? No idea, really, but um, I did actually used to be an area manager for the Arcadia Group. And um, I used to have um, a lot of employees work for me, 44 branches. And I used to have to visit them on a regular basis. And I'd forgotten all the skills that I'd learnt whilst I worked within that business. And the minute I walked into Paul's door, I suddenly had my area manager hat on thinking, OK, where are the opportunities here? What can I see? And I spent three days there and he got a 21-page report. <laughs> and he actually implemented most of the changes and he can now turn around his stock nearly 80% quicker than when they were doing it previously in terms of how they were packaging it. Um, and he came into my business and lasted three hours. <laughs> so it wasn't a very fair boss swap. However, I got out of it what I needed at the time. Okay? And since then, I now use my uh, business mentoring skills within my local community in the town. Uh, and I, a prime example is uh, I have very nice nails. I have a lovely lady, a beautician, around the corner. And I mentor her once every two months in exchange for half-price nails. And uh, I get 10% discount in one of the designer clothes shops because I help her out if she's got any business issues. She runs across the road and says, Leslie, what would you do? So that, for me, really works because it saves me money as well. 
Um, I've also started to push out further into the community. If you remember I said, you know, selling houses isn't it for me. Um, I very much push the brand, very proud of it, um, and that's how people in the town know me. And my husband now and I, we're, we're sort of the posh and becks of Accrington, which is a bit of a strange place to be. Um, we sponsor Accrington Stanley, um, which, you know, as you know, is a world-famous brand, she says. Um, but I also do a lot of work in schools. Um, I get asked to talk to other businesses as well. Um, I run work experience schemes. I go and do Dragon's Den exercises. Um, I'm also now um, a mentor at Blackburn College, and I do that on a voluntary basis. And um, I, I mentor students that are in the Career Academy that are really budding entrepreneurs. And um, I love every minute I spend with them because I come back oozing with ideas. Um, and as Sarah said, I'm now tutoring at Lancaster University, which is amazing. Um, I tutor um, for the new venture planning um, program um, as part of the entrepreneurship degree. And that's just a terms contract every year, one day a week, and that fits in perfectly with my routine. So the beauty of LEAD, I, I moved from being integral seven days a week to now being able to do whatever I want, whenever I want. But I know that you guys like evidence, and I really struggled with what I was going to do to show you this. And um, I'd like to show you a photograph of before LEAD. Okay, that was me and my husband. That was a promotional photograph that we took because we couldn't afford a camera at the time, some professional to come and take it. And I'd like to show you life after lead. And if you put the two together, then it's probably easier to see the contrast. And perhaps you can really understand what a difference it's made to my life, my husband's, my son, my staff, people within the community, people at other um, sort of learning environments as well. So it's not just about me as an individual. It really has made quite a difference. So um, on a final note, I'd like to thank you all today for inviting me to get out of Accrington. It's been <laughs> fabulous. Thank you. I think we should keep it up there as the emblem of the day. So thank you, Leslie, for that wonderful story. Um, what, we, what I'm trying to do, just I'm very aware of time, so just to draw things together a little bit in the last few minutes... Um, is to, to set up a challenge, that, or to share with you, shall I say, a challenge that I've had for the last four years, is to try and articulate and work out what have we actually learnt from LEAD. Leslie tells a wonderful story, and there are 60, 65 other similar stories um, that we all have on tape, and have many on tape, try, um, and we've had many, many days and many hours trying to work out and draw things out of all this data that we have. We had the stories at the beginning, um, the stories at the middle of, of the experience, and the stories at the end. Um, and myself and my colleague, um, Laurie Smith, hi, Laurie, if you're listening in, um, we, we really tried to make sense of this and, and to make sense of it in a way that would help our own practice as, as education providers working out of the university, um, but also to share, to develop some models that we can share with other education providers, but also as management learning academics to start to think about what are these learning processes that are, that are going on and are being articulated here, and how can we make sense of those? Right. 
Um, so some questions that we, we've been considering um, over this last four years and that I offer today to you um, that, that we can think about now and, and take forward to this afternoon from listening to, to Leslie's story and the story of Lieb more generally, um, what can we learn from it? What can we learn from it about the nature of SME learning and particularly leadership learning in this context about what we can take from it for developing other programs, for applying them to different contexts, and to building communities of practice within small, dispersed communities. Okay. Um, so I think the first thing we've really learned from LEAD, and that, as Leslie has definitely testified, LEAD works. All right? So that, you know, we're pretty clear on that one. LEAD works from many different angles, and the various evaluations we've done testify to that too. It, it works in terms of People, development of people's confidence um, in terms of them becoming more, uh, more familiar and confident with leadership. Uh, and it, learned, it works in terms of them being able to develop their business to take the golden nuggets, as le to, to take Leslie's phrase, uh, from the masterclasses, from the different elements of the program, and to put them back into their business, which... Um, the quantitative analysis uh, that we did um, indicates also leads to increased profitability within the organizations. So it certainly works in those ways. Uh, and the, the things I, you know, I've, I've pulled out as being particularly important are the um, increase in confidence, the applying of the concepts uh, of LEAD, the concepts and ideas from LEAD, but also the learning approaches. And Leslie talked a little bit about this, about the training she did in her, she now does in her organization. Quite a few of the organizations now use some of the approaches we did with them in their own organization. So they're using action learning techniques, coaching techniques, and so on. Um, and, of course, there is the, the network, the network that continues in different ways, some of which we try um, and support, formally, like the LEAD Forum, which is a kind of alumni association of LEAD. But also, um, there are informal, there's action learning sets continuing that we, we don't support, they just continue. There are curry clubs, apparently. There are meeting of people in Manchester in, I can't remember, one of the trendy bars there, and so on. So there's a, a lot of things going on, some of which we're not really aware of. Okay. Um, and, and just to pick up some from, from the, the stories and data, some of the things that, that people um, report as being, after the end of the program, more proactive, stepping back, letting go, having more patience, um, listening to others more, communication issues, some of the things we've already talked about this morning. Okay. But... My big question and challenge, and, you know, I still don't have the answer to this, is, yes, it works, but why? Yeah, and we think there are reasons, and we were quite confident when we started that we had a relatively good design because it was based on research into entrepreneurial learning. So we thought we picked up from the sweet shop of learning techniques and all the nice things around, we thought we'd picked quite a good suite of activities um, that, that will work in this context. So we think the program element is okay. Um, we've got the knowledge. Um, the reflexivity of, of delivery is something I don't know we actually planned at the beginning, but it's something that 
very much emerged in that with this program, um, I was there as a researcher talking to people all the way along, um, working with Sue, feeding back all the, the comments we had. We picked up on the discourse. People were scared of the idea of um, boss swap. Grey wolves was another term we used at the beginning because it sounded good. But then we thought, everybody got, thought, what on earth is a grey wolf? So we, 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 we realised we had to be very careful about language, about getting, you know, a, approaching the community we were actually um, targeting. Um, so things like that. So we changed, um, as Sue said earlier, we're still, we're still thinking about things. We're still changing. We're still not sure about the mentoring. It's a, it's a tough one. We're still trying new things out and bringing some things back that we, we discarded along the way earlier on. How am I doing for time? Right. Um, the types of challenges. I think this came up earlier this morning about making the learning relevant to the situation and the challenges in terms of SME leadership or in terms of leadership that we identified that we wanted our clients to work on were the task challenges, the thinking challenges um, and the people challenges. And that seemed to work quite well and that's kind of following Perrin and Burgoyne and others in that that's the kind of behaviours that leaders perform. So we worked on those kind of areas. But the fourth one emerged which we think is very crucial to the uh, SME leadership context, and that is the implementation challenge. When people like Leslie came to us, many of them were in a crossroads position. They say, we need help. We know we've come as far as we can without help. And it's something about leadership. We know leadership's important, but I'm the sorting out woman. I've got no time for leadership. Um, I'm spending all my time firefighting and doing stuff. I haven't got time to sit back. I know I've got to sit back. I know I've got to delegate. I know I've got to create a vision, but I haven't got time. So this implementation challenge was something that became very, very important in the program uh, and um, was very much supported by the peer networks that um, the communities that emerged helped each other um, in terms of showing how you could do things differently to make yourself more time and to give yourself thinking space. Um, another thing about LEAD was the organic, what I've now called the sort of organic dynamics of it, that all the elements were very important, but they worked together, and they worked together in different ways at different times for different people. So some people really got a lot of, lot out of action learning, some people didn't. Uh, some people really use action learning to help develop their thinking, whereas others use it to help develop their planning, and so on. So it was very complex in this way. So if you take one element out, I wonder if it would really work. Um, and that's around the design there, that it's those four elements that Sue talked about earlier, those four types of learning. Perhaps you could take one element out. You might be able to take action learning out, but unless you had some sort of reflective learning going on, I don't know. I don't think it would work. So those are the sort of things that we've come to understand. This was, I'll just give you this to show how impossible it is to try and work out a one thing works uh, with another. And it doesn't. I'm just scrubbing that totally. Because yeah, it would be lovely to say, oh, yes, well, we'll have masterclasses because that helps us think about um, you know, uh, task challenges. 
but it's more complicated. I think it's a bit dangerous to try and think of things in this way. So I suggest a much more holistic model. And one of the models I've been working with um, is this idea of relational learning. People, um, when they were telling their stories, talked a lot about relationships. Yeah? Within, the SME, uh, within the SME context, relationships are very, very important, very condensed. Yeah? Relationship with the partner, with yourself, uh, with your family in many cases, and with the SME wider community and with the business itself. Do I want to grow the business? Is it a lifestyle business? Do I hate it and want to move on to another business? And so on. So one way of thinking about, well, if we did lead again, what would be our guiding, um, you know, our, our guiding model? I think this might be a way of looking at it. Relationship with the self, thinking about leadership, starting to think about, I want leadership. I want to develop leadership in the way I understand leadership, not a you know a a, a white um, 18th century general on a horse necessarily, but um, but leadership that I can relate to, you know, as as, a, as an owner manager in in a small town in the northwest. So there's that sort of thing around confidence, and the confidence is a very big theme coming through lead, which was which was helped a lot through affirmation and affirmation through, through peer networks. Um, relationship with staff, again, the peer community helped a lot with that, sharing ideas, sharing problems through action learning. Um, coaching also helped, giving a, a sort of um, a neutral forum to, to talk about very difficult, difficult and complex relationships. Relationship with the business, um, masterclasses gave different, um, different types um, of alternatives for how you could take the business forward. And then the relationship with the big, wider community, actually starting to think, well, I am a business leader. Where are the other communities of business leaders? Where can I start to, to interact? Who can I start to interact with? And I think many of, of, of the owner-managers have, uh, um, as Leslie um, has done, have very much sort of um, widened their networks since the LEAD program. Okay. Um, so I think I'll leave it there. Um, if time permitting, we'll, we'll just, between the three of us, take a few questions. Okay, thank you. Right, um, Espen Anderson, Surrey Economic Partnership. SMEs live and breathe their cash flow. Um, getting them to pay for something is like taking a pint of blood out every time. I just wonder, having your funding model change, how does that affect the, the uptake and the perception of what it's actually offering? Do you want me to answer that question? Can you, can you hear me? Um, yes, it's a good question, particularly... Right now, today, um, which, you know, we've got to prove this more than ever. Um, I think when our funding originally finished, we thought, well, let's try this. SMEs, particularly in the Northwest, with a lot of regional development funding, are used to getting things for free. Um, and even when Leslie signed up, when it was free, we actually asked for a bond of, um, it cost us £10,000 per person. It's a very expensive, intensive program. And we said, it, this, we believed it would only work on the commitment. So even though it was free, we asked if effectively for a bond. And if you dropped out, you'd have to pay that back. Or if you didn't turn up to sessions, you'd have to pay that back. 
So that mentality was there already. And then when the funding finished, we then thought, let's try and charge. And at that time, we managed to get 70% funding. So currently, LEED costs SMEs £3,000, which for an SME, a micro SME, is a lot of money. Uh, cash flow, we work really hard to try. We work on installment, interest-free installment plans, um, but they sign up for the whole program. And likewise, if they drop out, they pay for it. And if they don't turn up to elements of the program, they'll get charged. So there's a, you know, there's a bit of a stick there. But we are so confident now we can provide something that's really worthwhile and will have an actual economic impact on their bottom line that we've got the confidence to say, this isn't, you know, this is an investment in you and your future business. I'd, I'd say, mm-hmm. if you're tired of agree. would you pay for it now? Um, <laughs> I'm an estate agent. I've no money now. <laughs> but I would. It's worth, yes, exceptional value. If that, if it was just three thousand pounds, exceptional value. Yeah. I don't know if I misheard or didn't hear at all. How long did the program last? And as you brought up dropouts. Uh, what sort of percentage dropouts did you have of the programme? It's 10 months, although we experimented with that in the first four cohorts. One lasted about 13 months, I think. Yours was a bit longer. Um, but 10 months across about two to three days a month, but a lot of that's flexible. So they, they might only come to the university for half a day and the, and the rest takes place in, in their own organisations. Dropout, hardly any. I think from the, the first couple of cohorts, one or two, and then none in the later cohorts. Because we actually, I should say that we actually engage in a whole recruitment process. Mm. And I think we've got that right now. Mm. So not everyone can come on lead. Um, but it's not just, mm. it's not, you know, they don't have to feel, fulfill a lot of recruitment uh, criteria, but they have to have that mentality and attitude because the learning comes from each other. Mm. So we, we recruit very carefully, I think. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, you, you mentioned some reservations with mentoring. Could you tell us a bit more about, about that? It, um, it's, it's basically it's, uh, it's, it's the process, I think, in, in our particular context. It's finding the right people. Um, so we originally uh, tried to find business leaders within the community, uh, the Northwest community, and it was very difficult. Again, very difficult to find people. We, we, we drew on very much our own, SM, our own contacts, um, in the Institute of Entrepreneurship that we'd had for a long time. And they didn't necessarily turn out to be the best people, I think, that would be fair to say, because mm-hmm. they were slightly, uh, often slightly owners of bigger businesses, serial entrepreneurs, and so on, and perhaps didn't have the best advice or the best, um, weren't best placed to work with, with micro SMEs. So it was really to find the right people. So then we tried... Um, very differently to take the um, lead alumni, and I'm not sure quite how that's worked. Maybe I can, Sue can mm. say a little bit more about that. Yeah. I think it is an important. I think it ha- has and hasn't worked, but you can't assure quality across yes. everyone, yeah. and it's an element that needs some careful thought and resource and support behind it, which with the funding in the various yeah. last couple of years we haven't. It's an area I want to develop still, yeah. but it does need some yes. structure and mm. support behind it. But the programme hasn't suffered last no. year from not having it. No. Sorry. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. I want to, there's lunch waiting for us, and I, I don't want to delay you for long, but I, I just want to take a, two minutes just to talk through the rest of the day to make sure that 
we all know what's going to be going on. Um, I, I'm sure, like me, you feel that we've had um, three sets of fascinating speakers that it's, uh, it's been a great to, uh, to take in and, and listen to, but we have kept you sitting in here on your backsides um, uh, being talked at for quite long enough, I think. The rest of the day um, is essentially about getting you to talk together. Um, when, uh, over lunch, of course, there's an opportunity to talk informally. We've been hearing informal is very important. Um, after lunch, and um, we're gonna, I'm going to talk you through in a minute how we're going to arrange that, we're going to break you out into small groups uh, and you've got an opportunity for an hour in small groups, in a facilitated small group, to have a conversation about what you've been listening to and hearing about today. Uh, following that, we're going to come back in here for a final wrap-up session where we're going to bring all the speakers up on the stage. Uh, rather than having questions and answers from the audience, though, what we're going to do is we're going to take issues that have come out of your small groups, ask you to feed them through your facilitators, um, and my colleague Colin will come up on stage and act as a master of ceremonies to get the panel talking about the issues that you've raised during the afternoon. We're also going to get the speakers touring around the small groups so that they can engage with you in your conversations as you're having them. In terms of um, the logistics of all of that, if we're actually going to get you in those rooms and you have a solid hour to have that conversation, uh, it's quite important we get the logistics right. You'll notice on your packs you've got a colour badge uh, with a letter on it. Uh, the way you find out how that translates into the group you're in um, is if over the lunchtime you have a look by the registration desk, you'll see a poster up there which tells you the location of the group room you're going to be in. It tells you the name of the person who's facilitating your group. And um, if you can uh, go up to that area for about 10 to 2, uh, as lunchtime's coming to an end, there'll be people there to either direct you to the room if it's close to here, or there's a couple of rooms that are over the way in the library, and there'll be actually someone there who can walk you across uh, to the location where the discussion's going to happen. Um, if, you, if you miss the train going across there, we'll still try and get you across and give you directions, but that's going to be by far the easiest way of getting there. Um, the other thing I just want to take a chance to remind you all of is that if by the end of the day you're feeling that this, this is a conversation you want to continue or there's questions you still would like to ask the speakers or you're feeling that um, there's some interesting things on those slides there that you didn't quite manage to copy down as you were looking at them, uh, remember we have got the website and the forum on the website and the, the website address is in this pack. Uh, you can go onto the website. The conversation will be continuing for the next week. Um, there's an opportunity to join in the conversation there and to download uh, copies of slides to look at, at the videos of people speaking again and so on. Um, so let's go and have some lunch. <laughs>